Hello and welcome to the Performance Through Health podcast. We aim to inspire and educate our listeners through engaging conversations on all things health and fitness, mindset, business and philosophy. My name is Martin McPhillamy and I'm your host and I hope you enjoy today's episode. So David Clark. That's the one. Thank you very much for, for coming over and uh, congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate that. Today is the uh, it's launch. Yeah. It so I'll, I literally want to dive straight into that, into that to be it. honest with you, because um, uh, I think uh, I've been following your you know, social media for a little while and you've been playing a game on there. And, I've, and, <laughs> I um, and I know you've been polarizing on purpose. Correct. Um, but it's obviously served its purpose. Um, yes and no. Okay because it assumes there might have been an agenda or a purpose. What I teach in the action system is founded upon the Pareto protocol. Um, I'm not sure if you've heard of Pareto. Uh, yep. So yeah, 20% of... 80-20 rule. 80-20 It's a rule of yield. Not You can apply it to distribution of resources, mm. but it's a rule of yield. Pareto planted, let's say, 20 bean seeds, and the plants grew, and 80% of the yield came from 20% of the beans. And that's because of a number of reasons. Uh, some of them didn't grow, some of them grew better, some of them got damaged, etc. But essentially, in theory, if you knew which of the beans to plant, you could just do the 20% of work that counts. Okay. Now that's that's my that's part of my theory is do the 20% that counts. Yeah. Because 100% gets you 100% of your return, but 20% gets you 80%. Yeah, you, so you conserve can, energy. Yeah, because it's, it's efficient iteration, it's yeah. evolution through action, as it says on the book. Yeah, okay. And is that, is that similar to what Tim Ferriss says is the uh, minimum effective dose? Uh, yeah, so I, I, I convert that to minimum viable product. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I love the uh, minimum effective dose. I do apply some of that in my own training. Yeah, okay. But um, in context, yeah, Pareto... What I teach is that people have ideas or are in business and they stall and they mm. try and make things perfect. The problem with perfect is it doesn't exist by definition because nothing is without improvement. The definition of perfect is without improvement. Now, nothing is without improvement. And if you build something that is perfect, well, that definition is out of context because it's only perfect to you, yeah. not your customer base. Yeah. So you need to launch. So you're assumed perfect and again, and this is the double-edged sword. This is the funny bit. You may know what's best for your consumer. Your consumer doesn't necessarily know what they want. And sometimes you delivering the best to them is not what they want. You mm -hmm. need to adjust the product to the color, shape, and size that suits them. And then there is a separate element of building your community and your clients, let's say, and the education process over time that might see them move to a structure. So the story, I believe, of Tesla, the as in the cars, mm. and what's his name? Elon Musk. Yeah. First step, launch, a, which they did, they launched like the world's first electric supercar. Quarter of a million, $300,000 for one car. So absurdly priced. The idea behind that is only, um, what are they called? The early adopters on the bell curve. The wealthy early adopters and collectors will purchase the car that will fund the technology. And then once the technology is funded, tried and tested, with a consumer base that can actually buy it, you then roll it out to the to through scale, yeah, okay. a, a broader broader base of consumption. Okay, and so that's that's uh, typically targeting the, the, the initial investment and upfront. So you're you're saying again, uh, the the small percentage of people who are willing to 
pay for pay that money for such a, a high quality product and then you mm. leave well, investors. In, technically, it's probably not a high quality product because it's, it's yet to truly be uh, tested and work and if yeah. the bugs worked out, it's yeah. more of a, uh, I can, so I do, I suppose. Yeah, okay. It's, that's the nature of sort of all premium product. Yeah. It's, um, so funny enough, I was just circumstantially in the uh, the pearl room, the high, ro- high roller room immediately before coming here. And it was apparent to me a couple of things, a few reality checks. Number one, there were some old wealthy people who were getting respect from the staff because of their wealth, but basically just slowly dying. And I thought, well, that's no way to live. And then there were other people who clearly had had the cash to earn the points, etc., to be there. And I thought to myself, where is the point in amassing the wealth to have like your scorecard level specifically inside this venue, which all it does is create wealth for the super wealthy. So there's this like absurdity of recognition, which I found quite perplexing. Yeah. I mean, um, uh, to be honest with you, like the the wealth at the moment in terms of what's going on in the world, you've got the you know, the, the the COVID going on and everything that's happened to the, the, the society at the moment. Do you not see that as a, or how can I turn the question? Do you not think there's something behind that was potentially making the wealthier more wealthy? Uh, interesting question. Um, so just by virtue of the mathematical effect of compound growth, that's going to happen. Yes, okay. And then I also, I mean, I, I believe in, let's say, if you, what you get out is, what you put in is what you get out. Yeah. So there's an effort level there. And also the wealthy, which I'm, I know a few people who might fall into that category. I'm not necessarily sure what that means in terms of a category of person and whether they're born into it, made it, and what the number level is. But like the Asian community, so Asian mm. community are really good about spending their dollars amongst each other. So there was a documentary on the US recently about the sort of, let's say, the divide, if there is one, between black and white people mm. as a general, obviously, obviously ignoring all the other cultures. <laughs> but... Within the black community, it was something to the effect of for every $100, only like $3 is spent back within the community, where with, within other communities, like the Jewish are very known for it, mm. is that they, you know, for every, let's say, $100 spent in their community, like $98 is spent back within the community. So when you have money spent within the community, it stays there, the wealth builds and grows. So same thing when we say the wealthy. So I, I had a story recently by... Another friend in my industry who he has clients who are mega wealthy. I have clients who are like just, you know, mediocre wealth, you know, can't really show off, but it, you'd still prefer to have it than not. But this friend of mine has a mega wealthy client. And during the COVID uh, period, he, he made 10 to $20 million wow. um, just just doing some trading. Just yeah. is not even his like direct um, business. So just shifting money from one place to, to another. Well, it was more so I remember... Uh, let's see, I think it was like uh, 2008, global financial crisis. And I was, I was young then, only just just been working a year or two. And the stock market crashed. And I knew back then, I was like, I should I should go get like a 100 grand loan, even though that's not, like, you can't necessarily do that. Mm. I was like, I should get a 100 grand loan and put it all into, let's say, West Farmers shares or banking stocks. And the theory behind that is, well, the prices are depressed because of reaction in the market. And... If, if you put the money in, you're, you're kind of guaranteed safe because if you lose, it's because the world ended. Yeah. In which case it then doesn't matter. Yeah. 
Yeah. So because you, you know, your money is always going to it's going to run up. The stocks are always going to eventually rise the, back up again. Right? Like the the establishment. Yeah. The establishment. And then if you want to get into like the mathematics of of fundamentals of like pricing a share based on its yield or return, mm. you can start to figure out that well, it makes sense. So yeah. money is going to make its way back there. Yeah. So just give the, to give the listeners a bit of a framing of, of, of where you're coming from. So you know, introduce yourself. I know that you you have been uh, are you were you won awards when you were insurance oh, broker. You won many awards, yeah. and then you you ran a business for, yes. for a while. Take us through a little bit of your journey. Okay, so I'm from Saturn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't I don't identify as coming from this. Earth. We discussed this earlier. Um, I, I'm believing this more and more day to day. But anyway, yeah. So. I started off my career as yeah, an insurance broker for uh, Australia's largest broker. I became you know, the youngest manager in that company ever. And there, I was there number one young broker and then number three senior broker. And then I won the West Australian Award and all that sort of stuff. And then I started my own business, did really well and made some poor decisions around mm-hmm. lifestyle. People, people's the number one. Got to watch out for people. Proximity. Yeah. People, proximity, everything. Yeah. Everything. I had... Slight tangent, someone came to me for advice recently about, uh, let's say, investing and partnering in this small business with someone they don't even know. And I was like, number one, never go into business with someone you don't know. Mm. And then I thought to myself, I've done things with lots of people I do know and it really didn't work out. I said to this person, you know what? Roll the fucking dice. Yeah, okay. (laughs) You're better off. Yeah. So, yeah, started my own business, did really well. I'm kind of... Well, the first year I started the business, I died. I was in hospital for months and I had a nine-month recovery. I remember your story about yeah. it. Yeah, take us through it because it's really interesting about what happened. Uh, yeah, I got a virus, caused my spleen to explode. Didn't know how sick I was. Um, yeah, so more than touch and go because I got rushed to hospital. Mm. 15 minutes, no heartbeat, two days on life support, uh, 25 blood transfusions, then got a staphylococcal infection, had an open wound. A negative vac dressing attached to me for four months, which is a machine attached to you 24-7. Just mm. you got to clean out your wound like every single day. Uh, thank you, Silver Chain. You're amazing people. <laughs> and also thank you to everyone at Royal Perth Hospital that uh, saved my life or participated in saving my life. Yeah, a great uh, hospital, Royal Perth. Yeah, well, there's still a big poster of me there now. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, and you had some interesting experiences when it actually happened, didn't you? It all... From what I've, you know, small conversations that we've had, you've had good reflections from when that happened. Yeah, well, it's an odd one. So, yeah, I had a bit of out-of-body experience. Um, I, I describe dying as, you know, when you're breathing, you know, when you need air. You know, I need air and you're gasping for air and you can gasp really hard. <sighs> Get air in. When you're dying, it's life force. It's a different feeling, but you can feel it, but you can't tense or breathe harder to get life force back. As it's slowly reducing, you can feel your you being less alive and more dead. Okay. And it's I recently described the experience as well, I don't want to say euphoric. It was sad, sad and balanced. But the only reason it was sad, it's quite a beautiful experience to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. But it was sad because it was more recognition of I had so much more life to live and give and do. And I was already on my journey of taking action towards the things in life that I wanted. So to have it taken away from me was very sad. And that's how I felt uh, as I was recovering from it all. Okay. Okay. And when was there, you, know, you, you said there, like, as in, you felt like things would be taken away, but you wanted to give so much more. Yeah. Before that happened, was it more about you? And then that happened and it was realizing that it's about the world. 
Was there a change there, or have you always been sort of a contribution service? Yeah, I suppose not so much a contribution service element, more of a uh, capacity. Like we all have the capacity to do so much. Hmm. Um, few people take action on any sort of uh, extreme. So I've, you know, I've jumped in the boxing ring. I quit a corporate job, started a business, died, moved overseas, been lost, lost overseas twice. <laughs> had friends and family get me back. Really? No word of a lie. Where, what, is that Thailand and... Uh, yeah, Thailand and Bali. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, once, like, when the business was going under, like, yeah, just you just didn't care. <laughs> yeah, was, right. Because the process of, like, losing everything can take a year or two because you're, you're ducking and diving, doing what you can, recovering, this and that. So it's, it's a bit of an effort. Um, yeah, and I just... I was on actually a retreat, um, <laughs> yeah, on a retreat in Bali, and I like I made a new friend, and I was like, "Bucket, let's go to these islands." Went to these islands, didn't realize that I pretty much like maxed out my car. <laughs> then I'm stuck there. Fortunately, I had some random friends. Alex, go check out Harcourt's initiative. <laughs> Thank you, Alex, for flew me back to Australia, and then I could you know, kind of get back onto good on him. Yeah, what a good champion. friend. Yeah, absolute champion. Nice one. Um, so you know, you've took us a bit of the journey there, and that's up until a couple of a couple of years ago, or just a uh, year yeah, ago? it would have been about that. That went on kind of for a year or two, then went to Thailand. Um, stayed in Thailand for so long that I was an illegal immigrant in Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not the best of ideas, but also quite exciting as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it was great. Well, that's when I had some profound spiritual experiences. Okay. So I um, obviously, I mean, I kind of equally partied in spirituality. It's yeah. an odd mix with me. Yeah, yeah. But um, through that, like I read the Bhagavad Gita, which is, uh, let's call it, let's say it, it's part of the Mahabharata, the mm. Bhagavad Gita, the epic or so it's called, the Kura, Kurakreshka War. Okay. Pandava family for someone else. Anyway, that's where Sri Krishna comes down, gives advice, and it was incredibly profound book, absolutely amazing life-changing it's it is where like so much religion and spirituality begins mm. it is the beginning teacher of yoga which is a religious system not mm. a movement not just a movement and eating system it's the beginning of hinduism Sri krishna is an apparition of vishnu vishnu like buddha is an apparition of vishnu arguably jesus could be an apparition of vishnu yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's kind of like core of several yeah. ideologies and that um it's not that it was a spiritual religious experience it's just research for me yeah but, you know, I, I read the book like, you know, 30 times in 15 days. Really? Yeah. How long is the book? It's not that long. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say. Audio books. It's two, yeah, two okay. hours. So you, yeah, I can remember. Two hours. Yeah, you yeah. Listen, and, you which know, is well, we'd also run out of money, so I just stayed in the apartment and they'd knock on the door trying to chase the building and just stay really quiet. <laughs> plenty of time. <laughs> yeah, plenty of time. Good on you. I mean, that's uh, a, um, a, a good way to... Use time, number one, but it, like to actually look into that and go, was the, was was this completely out of the ordinary? No, is there a background of, of uh, religion, I, spirituality beforehand? Yeah, I, or? I, I, I'm looking at all, all the books in your shelf right now. <laughs> I, did, I, I can tell I've sort of read most of them. Uh, so yeah, I've, I've, yeah, I've read hundreds, hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of books. Yeah. So that's that's core level interest for me. But I I previously read more business mm -hmm. motivation and. Psychology, mostly the Robert Cialdini sort of stuff, yeah, yeah. the more uh, the salesy aspect. Yeah, and I hadn't particularly looked into 
spirituality or religion, mm. which again, like I said, for me, it's more of a process of deduction research and then try to see what of that aligned with me or made sense. Where now I'm in some you know pretty deep, you could say, spiritual religious stuff that I'm looking into. Yeah. So because I had the foundation and then I had the time, I thought, well, I, I need to arm myself, tool, not arm, I need to tool myself with this knowledge and resources so that I can build bigger, whole and complete uh, view of life. Yeah. And I call it you know, one's model of reality. Yeah. Yeah. And it does, it changes your reality. When you start looking into that sort of stuff and then you realize that I was naive before I read this sort of stuff and you're always like, okay, now my reality is slowly starting to shift. And it's like you have to go through those mm. ego deaths and let go of a belief to then bring one in. That's where I am now. I've recently been through a transition. I mean, you, you know me from years before. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some completely different experiences where now it's like there's been a, a death of a person. Mm. Not that there's a rebirth, but as a coach I have now, uh, Dan Fitz, shout out, look up the DFP. He said to me, it's, it's as if uh, you as you are now got you here but the new you is ready to take over and you've got to let yourself die so that new you can take you over and take you to new heights. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I like like using the the metaphor of like um, when there's a bushfire, you you need the fires are actually there to actually help the tree regrow. You know, if you didn't have those fires consistently, you don't get new turf and soil. If Mm. it fires too much, then it just burns the whole lot. Absolutely. So uh, I'm going through the multiple kind of over the last, since since we have probably Mm. parted back in the day, (laughs) um, there was a big shift for me in terms of where I went with my life, went to dark places and then had to let go of certain parts of my my ego and who I identified with Mm. to whether you call it a rebirth or whether you call it just growing growth. I think it's a a greater alignment. I I use this expression, which is truth and Mm. whole purpose. And truth can be like energy, love, light. There's there's this framework. So you've got truth and then you've got whole person. And the more you live your truth, the more you then attract the appropriate tribe. Yeah. And then as a, as a whole, you have a complete and consistent view and interaction with the world. It's one thing to, have an understanding of self and circumstance. It's mm-hmm. another thing to interact and coalesce with the world around you or, you know, depending on how you look that, manifest or attract the particular yeah, yeah. world and circumstance around you. Yeah, I'm not a massive fan of the, the concept of manifest. I think you're just creating at the end of the day. A manifest mm-hmm. is like... I think you don't like that word. So, yeah, it is. It's language. It's a bit too, yeah. a bit too woo-woo. Well, it's, it's, I've, I've been really getting into the affirmations of gratitude lately. Yeah, okay. I've, I've got, so I have a gratitude coach, mm-hmm. Lay Raby, in, uh, in the UK. He runs a, he's, got, he's got a Facebook group, uh, Law of, of Attraction, Gratitude or something. Anyway, there's thousands of people in there. He's helped me with a few things, and over the last few, literally a few weeks, pretty massive things have been happening, which, like, I can only put it down to changing mindset, saying the affirmations. Not that I was negative before, and I don't don't read into this polarity of positive and negative. I'm very stoic, amorphati, accept and love thy fate, but I decided to change the rhetoric in my mind. And through changing the rhetoric in my mind and the daily affirmations, it has started to change my perception of circumstances mm. and also increase my gratitude, love, human connection. It's quite quite a beautiful experience, to be honest with you. Mm. It, it is. I did a, um, uh, you heard of Deepak Chopra? Yeah. So I did one of his 30-day, 21-day uh, meditations about, well, I'd say about a year ago now, and it was a gratitude one. Mm. And at the time, I was going through a pretty rough period at work in terms of just weren't enjoying it too much, weren't enjoying what I was 
uh, what I was doing, and I, I guess I'd lost the gratitude for for what for the role I was doing, especially being someone who works in healthcare and is in it because they like helping people. Um, after about a week of doing that, uh, you know, he goes through a process of you doing. You're, you're, he's basically framing it first. So you say, what, what's this going to be for? And then it's like you're doing mantras. He explains what the mantra is. And after about a week, I started to hear more thank yous. Started to you know, my focus was what shifted. What do you mean by hear more thank yous? Be, be more aware of how grateful people were towards what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I could, like, like I was uh, more aware of gratitude oh, essentially. Absolutely. And then I was realizing that, you know, after about two weeks of it, I was more grateful and, and I was just feeling much better yeah. in general. So I, I know that, that that's the, probably the first meditation challenge I've done. And I think I've done every single one of these. I didn't even know there was such a thing as a meditation challenge. Yeah, it's just 21 day I've challenge. Done some, I've done plenty of meditation, like some deep meditation yeah. in my life. But this concept, I, I like it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a good Great concept to get the idea of philosophy out to the people. Oh, 100%. I think uh, Western culture is missing out on meditation massively. Western culture, well, number one, Australia doesn't have a culture. <laughs> yeah, well, Bar- you, Barbecues and beers do not count. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> definitely. I, we're coming from the UK, you know, speaking English, moving over here. There is subtle differences, but it's, it's, it's just so messed up with just different people like i find there's more of an eastern culture here than there is uk like mm-hmm. there's hardly like no if i asked so my friends back at home is that do you meditate or do any yeah, kind of yoga they wouldn't even it wouldn't cross their mind because it's wow. just not a part of the culture at all in the uk where are you from in the uk from a place called coventry which I've is yeah which is basically a, a, a bit of a bum city right in the middle of it's on the monopoly board isn't it? Coventry Streeters which is actually in London yeah and Covent Garden which is in London so that, I went to see a dentist in Covent Garden thank you for reminding me she was fantastic <laughs> it probably cost you a lot of money as well <laughs> I, I had an issue with my teeth but you know what whilst I was there they made me my um, my boxing mouth guard as well oh nice Funny yeah, story. yeah. you got yeah. good stories there <laughs> um, but never in England or Coventry especially or a group of friends would they think mm. they laugh at me now but I'm like I'm, I'm not too phased by it. it used to be when I first started it used to it used to get to me quite a bit it's like mm. okay these guys don't really like who I am now like and actually the ego was kind of like bouncing off a little bit and now I'm like you know what actually this is serving me better and it's allowing me to serve yeah. everyone else better so I don't really care about that now 100% that's what I say about tribe and especially this we we get so I think we get some things wrong some messages so this be yourself 100% you need to be yourself that's quite assumptive that you know who you are. And I'm no, I don't mean this journey of, oh, you know, people need to find themselves. Anyone, if I ever have a conversation with someone and I mention this find yourself and I get this ordinary return rhetoric of, oh, yes, you know, because people need to find themselves. It's like, there's no chance you've found yourself, mate. Like, <laughs> like, have you been destitute in another country and meditated for food? Like, you've got no idea how, like, you're so far removed. So we have this idea and these themes and then these stories that we then retell. And I've been having a lot of conversations lately, and then and especially with anyone I coach, this phrasing of people say, people think. I I generally always speak in the first person. I think I do. Okay. And that's not to say I'm right. It's just I express my views. Mm. I don't 
I don't express assumed views of other parties, especially anyone that says to me, people think I'll say, well, you know, I haven't interviewed everyone on the planet, so I'm not sure. But yeah, like, okay. if you have, I'll yeah. take your word for yeah. it. There's also could be the potential of uh, dissociation there as well. So mm. people actually um, speaking who they are, but they're afraid to actually right. feel it. So they try that's, and dissociate from that's that. Where that's, where that's where I'm coming from. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's insecurities. Yeah. So if the end, which we all have, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's trying to identify a, the insecurities, the underlying belief or value system that mm. created them, recognizing that and generally through recognition, like that can defeat the insecurity and then you can live your truth. And then as mm. you live your truth, you attract your tribe and you then have a greater consistency of life and experience. I love that, David. It's great. No, <laughs> it's it's, it, it, it's um, in the performance real framework. It's the the third section is network, and it's after develop develop your mindset. And the mindset is really essentially you know, f- figuring out who you are or who you want to be. Well, just figure out what your values are. Values create your yeah. Your value hierarchy creates your perception of the world, right? So when you're living within that, you most of us are very self sacrificial. So even in the the group that I'm participating in at the moment, a lot of the people are saying. You know, they value family. And the thing is about values, it's like, this is about you. Let's figure out what you value. You don't need to sacrifice yourself. You don't need to talk about your kids or anything else. You don't need to... One of the people's goals was, I want to you know, I want to get an investment property so I can leave it behind for my kids. It's like, it's if you're going to devote your life to paying off a house that you can die and your kids inherit it and then fight over it and then they no longer have a family. Like, it's, yeah. it's absurd. Like, your, your value system, I value... It moves between uh, human connection, learning, and actually, you know, you're really making me think about it now. Normally, it would be very material. Now, having had so much, lost so much, and now being on a journey to like rebuilding, my interest is more impacting lives. And I simply believe that when you do what you're supposed to do, you put your energy out into the universe, so Mm. to speak, and an equivalent return, a reciprocity, will make its way back to you. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that. Um, like, I think you know, when, when I first came over here, the persona that I created as a, a party, going out party animal and um, someone who's just a bit As an of, absolute legend, you mean? Yeah, yeah, absolute <laughs> legend. But, uh, you know, what I attracted was exactly the same as what I put out. And oh, it's tell like, me about And it. then, you, you know, you realise actually, oh, shit, when you, something goes wrong and you've got no one around you because you've had such mm-hmm. level, surface-level conversations with people and you've got no one to actually run to or go to or someone to help and support you, it's... Uh, it's like, oh, actually, it's because I wasn't that individual. Or when it's the people that were around you are the ones that are fucking you. <laughs> <laughs> true, it, true. It just gets worse. Yeah, but. true. Um, I want to know, so with the the action... Um, action system. Action system. The action system, where did it come from? Where did the idea come from? Cool. Excellent question. Not even a setup. So I, my approach... To, to life, to business, everything. Because I, I do some pretty specky stuff in my day-to-day corporate work. Like I'm, I'm currently dealing with radioactive waste management, dangerous goods, uh, munitions, subsea engineering, petrochemical, uh, what else? Some other, some, yeah, electronics, waste management, all high risk, like hard to deal with, heavy contractual. And my process for dealing with the problems, which are typically, we're, we're pushing to the end of impossible. All right, so it's like a deal might fall over or a company not, might not be able to continue trading. So I need to approach the problems with a, a scale of, okay, what's perfect? What do we want? What, what's the minimum we can get away with? 
and then we embark on a journey to try and you aim for perfect and then you've kind of got your checks and balances so it doesn't work out you step down and then as as you're stepping down in a strategy of like what contractual environment can we get or what how flexible are the partners we're dealing with how can we maybe let's say uh, lobby government to get a regulatory change to to suit us you get this like multi-tiered strategy mm-hmm. that has all these fail safes to ultimately achieve an outcome that works that is satisfactory even okay. though you're aiming for perfect yeah now most people in business and in life they they can often see an opportunity and then aim for perfect and seeing an opportunity versus having the skill or capacity to execute on the opportunity are two very different things so when embarking on a business or an idea, one does not need to embark on the pursuit of the perfect outcome or making millions overnight, which I call the nature of lottery. It's one of the rules <laughs> in my book, which is so one of the one of the rules talks about most people who are successful are actually lucky. Now I'm not taking that away from them. I'm sure they're smart. I'm sure they took risks. It doesn't matter. But unless the day you exited your business with ten million dollars, unless you started day one with that date and that number in mind. You're lucky, mate, because yeah. that's not a strategy. It can't yeah. be replicated. It can't be scaled. You can't teach anyone to do it. it it's luck, but it's hard work equals luck. Yeah. What I'm teaching through the Pareto Protocol is do the 20% that counts, aim for perfect, but get to minimum viable product. So I have sort of developed this approach in contract management, deal negotiation, sales, like everything, and even... Even in my life now with fitness, where I'm, uh, I'm slowly adapting, I'm doing the the twenty percent, like one percenters, twenty percenters, mm. aggregate of marginal gains, gains uh, that applies to the system as well. So uh, a collection of one percenters. I kind of have this theory that if th- there's twenty percent that counts, that's going to get you eighty percent of the result. If you do twenty one percenters, so of that twenty percent, it yeah. is then like the most effective, the minimum effective dose, but yeah. the most effective changes. You then have a fucking powerful. 20% of change. Yeah. So it's going to get you a lot more than you could ever have done if you were aiming for the 100%. So from all my crazy Facebook posting, which has gotten me thousands and thousands of, oh, I've definitely deleted more requests than I have accepted. <laughs> and there are some funky people out there. But you hit a maximum, which is 5,000, right? Yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which is good for Facebook because that's like, not follows, that's friends, right? Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh, I've de- de- like not accepted many, <laughs> many of thousands. Um, but it was a couple of people added me. One was Amara, shout out. She's amazing. She works for the world's largest marketing company and she's a, like a brand manager for Coca-Cola. So she's the one who's designed my book. So yeah, that's okay. like, you know, there's $50,000 worth of, uh, you know, volunteered support. Yeah, that's um, amazing. So, you know, through, through me being myself online, just exploring these ideas. Because mm. what I do is I study... And then I write and I post. It's just my process of learning and engaging. And then people argue with me. And then I get mm. to practice negotiation. Yeah, and I yeah, get to yeah, practice yeah. forming my arguments. Yeah. And then I get to realize that nobody knows anything. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> would would you say that you have quite a, a disagreeable um, personality? <laughs> Jordan Peterson's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, no, I just like to... I can generally see when someone is expressing a view or an idea that's not a whole complete idea. So I typically speak in resolved thoughts. Like this is the complete view idea I have. It doesn't mean I'm right. I don't want you to believe the same thing as me. It's just my model of reality. Yeah. And that's that. And I won't change from that unless you have new information. Yeah. So if another party 
is introducing their view and information which can be tested because it's not whole and resolved yeah then i simply want to test it for yeah, the fun. Okay. yeah so it's probably disagreeable it's interesting <laughs> yeah disagreeable it's interesting that uh, actually yeah well it's, it's not interesting it's obvious that your the, the the mindset that you have on those certain certain things are also the mindset that you have in the business as well because mm. it's like you know have the wholeness in in mind and then okay we'll work back from there so it's so like, that's the action system yeah basically so yeah The, the other person that added me is Lucas in Spain. A really cool kid. What, what is he? He's um, a Swedish-born Colombian living in Spain. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> so he, he helps people like turn their offline like bricks and mortar businesses into online, get into marketing. He's a young guy and he you know, runs his own business, which is where mm. most people want to get to. And he, he reached out to me because he was like, hey, you know, you say some crazy stuff. I want to see what's in your crazy mind. Yeah. So we had a chat and he had an idea about launching. So in Sweden, apparently everything's public. Everyone's personal mobile number. Really? Business address. Is it email a big address. book or online or something like that? Like in the UK, they have the yellow pages over here. They've got some kind of pages. And yeah. It's like, I, but. I'm not sure. From, from what I understand, it's like. You can go and find anyone's number. There pretty much is no privacy and it can't be private. Yeah. It has to be an open yeah. system. So he had an idea around a business that would um, go to these um, hosting companies or whatever and like with power of attorney request to delist or really? change the number, the phone number or email to an incorrect mm. number. So you no longer get the nuisance calls. And he was trying to make it sort of too perfect and add on all these extra features. And I said to him, I, we discussed the the Pareto theory, the, the 20% that counts, the 20%, the 80% of the result and minimum viable product. And yeah. the theme, another one of my rules, which is massive action, which is what you want to do by next year, you can probably do tonight. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he actually went and did it. And okay. by the next day, had launched it. And now it's now it's, turn, it's turning over enough money to like live off. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's obviously a separate business to him now and a separate um, resource. So of course, he's also now helping me with the digital strategy. Mm. Well, he then said to me, he goes, "Oh, David, you could probably write an ebook about you know this Pareto." <laughs> and me being the um, what's it called when you like a challenge? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone who's competitive. <laughs> that's you, yeah, yeah. Me being the competitive yeah. type, I said, "You know what? I'm going to write the ebook." This was a Wednesday. I said, "I'm going to write the ebook by Saturday." And I had written the full two and a half thousand words just that night on the Wednesday night. Nice. And then, and then because I just, so I didn't look for a goal. I didn't look for a perfect. I had basically, let's say a message from the consumer or a message from the universe, which yeah. is I express something of value. I could do something with it. Yeah. So I wrote something which, and I didn't know what I was going to write, but it was easier to write it in sort of like dot points. What's the main thing? So then I turned it into 10 rules, two stories. Okay. And then I had an ebook. Yeah. And then with the ebook, I was like, oh, I have a system. And then I reached out to a friend whose uh, son, Ethan, Ethan Wee, fantastic uh, videographer. Lots of plugs in this, I know. You've got to send a word out to your team. Um, got on to Ethan, and then we organized to film the 10 rules. So I've now got the free ebook that I'm launching. I've got a hosted website that we're working on at the moment. It'll be davidclark.online, just that. Okay. And... Um, The, the ebook obviously be free and we're going through the process of the marketing yeah. now and the online course which is a video series of me explaining everything that's going to be a, a paid system that's yeah. that's as far as i'm at okay so there's no further vision with it because that was my going to be questions we've got two oh. questions what what's what's the vision with 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 this with all the action system and uh, i want you to go through the rule and why you came from the rule chase value not money oh cool good question 
Um, First one, vision. Yeah, there, there is no vision. Okay. So I'm applying the, the system. And again, this is this is what I try and teach people. It's like if, number one, if you're looking for perfect, it's like you, you're not going to get there. And the thing is, where do you live that in the rest of your life? And this is why I also teach aggregate of marginal gains, which is we all look for a massive change. And who do you know that makes 100% change in your life? Like nobody. Mm. But my other question is, who do you know that's made a 1% change in their life? Nobody. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. just try and do the one percenters. So I don't have a vision. I have a bit of a dream of this obviously growing. I feel that my style of you know uh, teaching and, and talking and my methodologies is a hybrid of Tony Robbins and Gary Vee. Okay. And I would like to build a persona and I would like to impact lives. But in terms of am I trying to make a heap of money? No. Am I trying to achieve a degree of celebrity? Only to the extent that I can reach the community mm-hmm. that I will reach a community that I can impact. I have a, a minor sort of goal of, I want to empower or encourage 1 million people to start their business or live their dreams through business. And I'd like to help 1 million people get back from, let's say anxiety or depression, yeah, okay. or PTSD, because these yeah, are yeah. all areas and things that I've I had unfortunate exposure to, but have, yeah. have taught me a lot. Yeah. And also the nature of universe energy and Pareto protocol is, is you do and you get feedback and then you act on the feedback. So yeah. it's more of a journey yeah. at this stage. Yeah. So it's, it's the form of ultimate creativity is essentially what you're doing. It's like uh, allowing yourself just to take that 1% and then, like you say, bounce the feedback back off, yep. turn in unknown into known uh, and then exactly. back into unknown again, yes. just being on that board, edge, edge of you know, chaos. And or as, chaos as and it order. says on the book, evolution through action. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's if I, my system will put you in control of change. Like I can guarantee that I can take you from, or as Lucas said, he said it, it, the system enables you to take action based on the resources you have, no matter what those resources you are, and no matter what your education level mm. is. The only well, there is no problem, but the issue would be that I don't, I'm not selling or offering some overnight golden opportunity or secret. It is a pretty cool system and mindset. Yeah, like you're not going to figure it out on your own unless you do the ten years of effort and up and down that I have. Yeah. But it will empower you and you will be in control and I can kind of guarantee because what, what I say to people is this is a strategy. My strategies work. They just consistently work. So if you apply my strategy and you can predict the result, like you're empowered. But if you're just doing a thing and hoping for the best, you're not really going to learn and you're, you're not empowered. It's just the lottery. Yeah. I mean, uh, if success leaves clues and you, know, you have mm-hmm. been successful um, and you know, you're saying it's worked many times, then why not get it into a book so people can, can use it and potentially yeah. try and s- scale well, it as well? Th- that's the thing. It's also a lifestyle system because that's where I came unstuck and like, you know, masked uh, unhappiness and depression with partying and people mm. and through insecurity wanted to identify with the, uh, you know, whatever group of yeah. people. Yeah, to become to, to feel as though that I'm a part of a tribe that I looked up to, and yeah. I didn't even know what I was looking up to. Yeah. Oh man, massively. When I first came over here, and I realised that I was a small fish in a big pond, whereas at home I was in a big fish, <laughs> big fish in a small pond. Yeah. And I was looking at you know, up to the likes of guys who are pretty wealthy, a lot more money than my family has ever seen. And like, well, how have I found, found my, in, in this group of people? And I'm like, all of a sudden, working to try and be accepted by them. Most of them are fake. To yeah. with you. To, like having been, this is the thing about like business people and employee mindset 
always want to be talking about, you know, well, what's, what's that? What do you get like after tax? Like in business, it's a, that's irrelevant. It's all about cash flow. Like yeah. What, and once you have cash flow, it is so easy to get access to lines of credit cars, houses, like you can do it and you can stretch it out forever and ever before you, you know, kind of go under. And that's mm-hmm. how you can end up with a lot of people that look wealthy, definitely have cash flow and mm-hmm. go out and party. But in terms of like, a net position, yeah. Like just whoever is working the nine to five and saving probably has a better net position, yeah. But they don't yeah. have the cash flow, yeah, to be able to live the the lifestyle. Yeah. So I can spend this now because tomorrow I'm getting this coming in. Whereas the employee, exactly. the employee is kind of like, well, I've got to save this because I need to buy this next week. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting concept, and I think uh, social media has made that can really blow up in terms of the personas you see on there as well. It's like, yeah. Uh, I, I, sometimes I'm, you, know, you start to compare yourself. You're like, what, really? Like that person mm. is doing that with the world or, you know, they've got this with their life. And then you hear a story like, nah, that was just all bullshit. Like I've heard people renting cars and yep. like <laughs> even going to, um, going on a helicopter ride and then like getting photos like next to the helicopter and bullshit and it's like their helicopter yeah, I, and stuff like that. I'm like, <laughs> well, I know plenty, I know plenty of the same stories. Some, some of them, some of them are more people who are building a like strategically yeah, building a brand yeah. and, and an image others. Yeah. hundred percent. And I suppose that's what I've learned is my, my bullshit meter and my company. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten pretty accurate. <laughs> Good. Right. I think I've heard free potential rules. So you've got the Pareto, Pareto principle. Pro- protocol. Uh, yeah. Protocol. Um, and then you've got, you know, the chase value. Yeah, chase value, not money. Not money. There was one more in there that we've, we've talked about. But uh, the, the, the nature of lottery. Nature of lottery. Now you've got seven more. You've probably, you've probably talked a little bit about them. But they kind of intersect. Intersect. You know, but I think chase value, not money is what you asked about. Yeah. So this is the sort of, let's call it the spiritual one. Okay. So even though we go into business to make money, it doesn't work like that. If, if you go into business to make money, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. Like, and you're going to murder your soul. Um, so, and the, the idea of like buy low, sell high, like that's just, that's just thematic of, of margin. There's so many other ways in business to generate an income, whether it's financing the deal, owning the product, manufacturing the product, it's a whole supply chain there. And there's, there's a supply chain, there's transactions, and you've got to figure out which of those transactions identify with A, your skill set and B, your interest, and then how can you get involved? So the, the other element to like seeing an opportunity and acting on it is, and this is why I say chess value, not money, is you, you need to bring true value to a community, okay? You need, you need to actually provide something. You can't just, if there's a knife supplier and you're coming in with the same knives that are just cheaper, Yes, you might have identified a area in the market that you can introduce margin. That might be a marginal disruption. You might also be up against a bigger company with so much more money that they can drop the prices until you go under. There's no link there. There's no USP, unique selling proposition. So you kind of got a couple elements here. You've got unique selling proposition, which is something that connects with the community that they want, they're attracted to. And then you've got disruption, which is like Uber. And you got Uber, you got taxi market. So, sorry, there's three. You got the unique selling proposition, which is just something good, your network, the your style, etc. Or you've got disruption, which is radical change. It's coming from day one and with little experience, you're probably not going to be the disruptor unless you have some serious clout in experience. And then you've got my favorite, which is market making or evolve the market, which is you need you need audience. So whoever has, I say whoever has the uh, 
what is it? Whoever has the whoever has the market, yeah, whoever has the market has the money, which mm-hmm. means whoever has the audience, the attention, the eyes on them, because you can monetize that, whether it's brand or just interest or email list, etc. But I like market making. I like the idea of coming in with a sort of like different product or approach and a new community and style and way. So a bit of a hybrid, but ultimately it's kind of like a new cool franchise that hits town. It's like, we've already got Macca's, we've already got a, a you know, ice cream place. We've already got a few things, but something else uh, like Milky Lane over yeah. East, yeah. shout out. <laughs> <laughs> something else cool comes in and we go, you know what? We've got all that we fundamentally desire, but this new player has come up. It's shiny. They've educated us. They've brought us in. We feel a part of this community. And then you've like actually increased the size of the market. So like competition is often a really good thing because it increases the number of aware consumers, but increases the size of the overall market. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's that's uh, great, man. Like, it, I'm, I love how like knowledgeable you are in terms oh, of like in business. Like, I'm new, pretty new to business myself. So well, once tr- you've made all the mistakes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like, uh, you know, I'm I'm reviewing in terms of my work workplace at the moment, looking at value proposition, looking at how how do we distinguish ourselves from the market, and when you're looking at you know, sleep diagnostics and treatment. It's the product's the product, right? And mm. it's difficult. Well, I'd say people wouldn't be largely aware of the marketplace. I'd be mm. trying to reach a consumer possibly from, there's probably a lot of people that could use the service that don't necessarily need it. Because mm. So then you've got you, the performance through health, mm. and then you've got the people that need the service but don't know about it. And this is another, not one of my lessons, but one of my business teachings, which is we, we often go, okay, I'm a pound the pavement guy, all right? I used to drive from Perth to Geraldton and I'd take every single left turn because yeah. I was dealing with fishermen. So I just would go into ports and literally door knocking, researching people, speaking to guys on boats just constantly. And I built a portfolio of clients. So that's that's your um, your street hustle. Then you've got to like your marketing. Okay, we're going to do Facebook ads or we're going to do a flyer drop. It's just this, it's pushing a message and it's hit and miss. And mm. then, then you've got what I like, which is the let's call it partnership. So trying to find aligned uh, associations, it doesn't necessarily need to be an association. I'm just saying a collect, collection of people and getting getting into these spaces so you can share your message. But you, you approach these, uh, let's say, uh, association as an example. You don't approach them saying, hey, I want to sell my service. Yeah, you yeah. approach them saying, I'm interested in what you do and what you represent. I want to contribute to you. I want to get on board. Mm. I want to participate. You join the community, you get involved in the community, you become one of them, and then you see what the community is doing, where you can help, and where your product might fit. And then that gives you, this is another area of what I teach about, factions of business. That'll give you either platform or distribution, which is that sort of a separate conversation. Then there's the really sneaky kind of, let's call guerrilla tactic, which is actually my favorite again. <laughs> um, Try and find your community before they're buying or another location where the majority of them are, but is like totally unrelated. And I'll give you the best example I can think of for the moment, okay, is I saw I had a friend who was selling like new home constructions and he wanted to, you know, obviously wants to get more customers. And I said, like, you know, what's the price range? And it's like, you know, typically the price range is always 400 to 500,000 for a house and land package. I said to him, well, Go to home opens for rental inspections for that are and four hundred to five hundred dollars a week is probably also the equivalent rental in terms of the market dynamic and people. I was like, go to the rental inspections, uh, which are going to have people looking at these houses, either in the area 
that you want to be in or there's typically like suburbs that are next to each other and people want to like suburb up you know mm. they want to go from one place to the slightly better place so yeah go into the suburbs of the slightly worst place to the rental inspections just talk to the people in there who are renting and say to them hey did you know that you could build a house and land package for the same price as renting this like you're standing right in front of your consumer you've got an <sighs> immediate amazing. connection yeah. you're showing and presenting value you're not salesy you could be there for any reason it doesn't matter you've mm. already got consumer attention and you've built a connection on a level other than a Facebook marketing pitch, a TV advert, or some sort of, you know, car salesman pitch, like you're part of the community. Yeah. That's where you have the greatest value, the greatest traction. And that's sort of, that's my skill and my success. Yeah, putting yourself right amongst it, right, ne- right exactly. next to the market and, and just being there as, as an individual who just wants to deliver value mm-hmm. to them and just letting them know, okay, this is something different that you might not potentially know. Again, unique. Also, Mac... We need to get the one percenters, maximize everything. So you should be maximizing everything from, I'm not saying business card is like you need to have a business card. I'm saying if you have a business card, it is a sales tool. Mm. And I, so I will always say, like I, I, char- I jokingly charge for my business card. I say it would $5. <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm lifting the price now. I'm saying it's $50, but I'm pretty serious about it. I'm not going to give my business card yeah. away to to, to just anyone because yeah. it's and I, I adapt a bit more of the Asian culture it's a valued thing mm. and I'm not throwing it around and also you shouldn't be asking for something to collect and then throw away yeah yeah so you need to uh, wait I think I lost my train of thought this is a really good point as well oh yes maximizing everything so a uh, simple example of the, the idea is if I have a business that does a thing and I operate from a space like the, the goal is like people just willingly walk in and buy. They mm-hmm. walk in saying, take my money, and you say, I don't have any product left. And they go, I love your brand so much, I'm gonna leave the money here. Yeah. Like that's what you want. So, simple example, you create the world's greatest uh, chocolate sauce to go on ice cream. And you're saying, okay, I'm trying to, I'm marketing, I'm trying to sell it, maybe you're trying to get it into Bullworths or whatever, which are whole other different conversations and approaches, etc. But your, your optimal sort of situation would be like the people selling wine at the airport. If you could be in every Baskin Robbins mm. where people have bought the ice cream they want, they walk past and you're saying, hey, for $1, would you like the world's greatest chocolate sauce on your ice cream? And people would be like, yeah, no problem. So how can you have your consumer willingly, voluntarily walking into your space and willingly, voluntarily buying from you? It's maximum optimization. Yeah, that's uh, it's not really a concept because uh, obviously we work on a referral basis in terms of, mm. of healthcare um, and people generally generally are sick. But I'm reaching out to different areas now. So I've got my, I guess my niche of areas going to is looking at people who are already trying to lose weight and then improving mm. their sleep to help them lose the weight because a lot of people who are overweight. Interesting. Tell me a little bit about that, <laughs> the, the link between sleep and weight loss. That's interesting. Well, you, look, if you've got... Um, if you if you're getting less than six hours, less than five hours sleep, or you've got you know low quality sleep because you've got a sleep issue, your your body essentially is 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 it's equivalent to what stress is. Uh, when we sleep, the parasympathetic nervous system is essentially activated, yeah. and that is what allows our body to hormonally balance out. Now, if we have less than five hours sleep, the the sympathetic nervous system is basically in overdrive consistently. 
so we don't get that homeostasis. We don't get that balance in. What's homeostasis? Homeostasis is basically the body's mechanism of increasing or decreasing. It's a feedback mechanism, positive mm-hmm. positive feedback mechanism, where um, it allows your hormones to increase or decrease over time, over a cycle, so time period, usually r- related to sunlight, however. Mm-hmm. Um, so circadian. Circadian rhythms, rhythms yeah. that sort of stuff. And we should be continu- con- continuously at maximal health. We should be in great yep. yeah, homeostasis continually. But so when that's the state of balance. State of balance. Cool. So when we're not sleeping, we get knocked out of that state of balance and we get into a continual state of stress. Mm-hmm. And the impact that has on the body is that you get increasing the amount of um, uh, glucose that's being released into the body, so you're you know, more likely to have type to diabetes and stuff like that the hormones that get reduced reductions in testosterone increases in estrogen so the balance sounds shit yeah exactly <laughs> so essentially for a man is you you are you, you if you have poor sleep consistently you're becoming more feminine mm. Uh, mm. Fuck, wow. yeah. when you put it like that man <laughs> it's it's a hormonally so you, you, you you'll see men starting to get you know, man boobs or you know the wide hips and stuff like that and it, t- typically uh, it's if someone was on a diet trying to lose, say if they're you know, on an eight to, ten, eight to 10 week diet trying to lose 10 kilos, if you were to have less than five hours sleep a night or maybe even six hours sleep a night, you're probably going to get 30 to 40% more loss in muscle mass compared to fat loss. Wow. Just because of the hormonal changes in the body. That's insane. Um, and I mean, the research is, is, is clear, but it's quite weak research, but it's enough to, to say... Uh, look, there's definitely something to be concerned about there. So it's at least the magic eight ball, like signs indicate. Yeah, yes. science, signs are indicating that, yeah. that way. And and not even I mean, scientifically, but also just uh, in general, the behavioral changes that poor sleep has because you're tired, you're more tired, less dopamine, so you're not as motivated mm-hmm. to move. You're, you're less likely to move. All that sort of stuff is, is, is pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so it's, there's definitely a big impact to sleep on weight loss um and i'm one, my my role is to educate personal trainers health coaches to upskill them mm-hmm. to improve their ability to give value to their their individuals and their, you know, their clients so that they they can enhance their weight loss by not only just get them training in the gym but also just a few little things that they can mm-hmm. do to improve their sleep as well and if they can't then they can come to the luxe myself and we can have a look at their cool. their, their sleep in general um I want to know out of the ten rules, your most yeah. unique, unique rule. Would you say? Have you got one in there that you would say is David Clark? Let me let me open the book. Yeah, David Clark, because obviously you've done a lot of reading, uh, and you say that you you, know, you like to have your own perspective. Uh, you know, you you read into stuff, and you go, um, okay, this is this is now my belief, and this is what I, I'm going to give out. What is the yeah. most David Clark? <laughs> All right, let's see. So, I'll, how was I quickly just quick, quick, quickly, read them, quickly, read quickly read them? Yeah. So, it, there's um, Pareto Protocol. When lost, explore, which that's a pretty cool one. Yeah. Uh, right product, right consumer, not every product and any consumer. Learn to pivot, your, and then it's full stop, your passion versus product versus conversion. Chase value, not money. The rule of massive action. The vice and excuse of opinions. The nature of risk, fight your biology. That's interesting. Yeah, it's a good one actually. And the nature of lottery. To be honest with you, fight your biology is probably okay. the most interesting rule. And also, uh, when lost, explore. Yeah, those two stood out in terms of the titles. Because I say, I say, in when lost, explore, go ride a horse. 
Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, is explained more actually in my course, but you got to you got to buy it to. Uh, okay. But, so we're not, um, not going any further oh, into no, that no, one. We can talk about it. I, I want to go into the biology one. Yeah. Uh, so fight your biology. So basically, you'll completely understand this, mate. You only know what you know. Hmm. And we we talk in the personal development space and psychology. We talk about repeating patterns, which is uh, the nature of habituation, and that is what you know. Now, change is risk. So, part of pattern repeating is it's not always self sabotage. Self sabotage is in fact your your body or your mindset protecting you by avoiding change. Hmm. Now, becoming aware of that and pushing through it is how you get growth, and that's why a lot of personal development pushes um, like you know emotional experiences, paradigm shifts, etc., because it moves you to a new framework so that you can beat your biology. So your biology will try and it will try and keep you the same to keep you safe, mm. which it might avoid change even in a good way. It'll avoid identity influence, such as someone going from employee to business owner or changing from, I mean, I'm going from being a tr- traditional corporate guy. Well, not going, I'm doing both, but being a traditional corporate guy and now being this like internet dude. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm not an internet dude. And I'm like, oh, so it's, it's like, accosting my identity. I was like, no, I'm a suit wearing professional and I master boardrooms. So no, now I master Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you got to fight your biology because it's always going to be trying to protect you and you just got to be aware of the nature of how that's actually holding you back or limiting you. And that's, that's again, in the personal development space. And I say it, like, whatever fears, fear, whatever you fear the most, do that. Mm. Like you don't grow in your comfort zone. The whole reason if you don't grow in your comfort zone is because your comfort zone is pattern repetition. Outside of your comfort zone is change. And another thing I say is change is growth. Stagnation is death. And we we get this confused that when we do something, it needs to be right or it needs to be good. No, it does not. Because if it doesn't change, so if something changes and you're worse off, you have at least learned. If you do not have change, you are then the opposite, which is stagnation. Mm. So if you're not growing, you're by definition dying. Yeah. So it is, is it better to be growing, like, like me, having lost so much financially and potentially lost so much like in my brain? <laughs> <laughs> but is it better to have changed and grown or is it better to be just marginally going backwards, essentially? I mean, you've got to think about you know, there's universal laws of entropy that, that mm. go that's also work in terms of psyche as well. You know, if you're not moving towards something, even if we just stumble on your toes and you you know you're falling over every two minutes and you're like a slug, you, you, that's good enough. Like for for people, like but you going back to what you were saying earlier is people don't realize how much they can actually achieve in six months to a, to a year because they come from a scarce mindset and, people and fearful. People don't realize what they can achieve in one night. Yeah, yeah, true. Honestly. True. I mean, t- today I wrote a you know, three and a half page strategy on how to improve, in, increase uh, you know, the, the, the patient experience at work mm. and their journey. And uh, it's based off a you know, scalable sales system. And like... You could have given yourself a month to do that. I could have. And that would have been fair. Yeah. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to go. I've got a day of no patients today, and I want to just nail this because I want to get it done because I actually want to get it implemented. Would you say you were in a flow state? Massively. In and out quite a bit. Um, I started a uh, modafinil today, so mm-hmm. that, that actually, actually actually helped um, quite a lot. 
and cool. yeah so I, I, I enjoyed uh, uh, basically writing down what goals I wanted to achieve and getting into those flow states but I think uh, you know 100 milligrams of modafinil and some new, a couple of nootropics certainly help there I, I haven't i haven't done any of the nootropics right now i'm keeping a, a fairly i'm actually kind of like less like less no alcohol amazing yeah, yeah. which is pretty crazy other than the pill room invite because you know it was all free so yeah yeah <laughs> why not but yeah i've been like no alcohol more fitness focused yeah. and uh, actually really enjoying that shift and at the same time, finding some more work. I enjoy my day-to-day corporate stuff, absolutely. Yeah. But truly, like, doing something you're really passionate about, which I'm sure is, like, right now for you and for me, to be honest with you. But doing something you're truly passionate about and sharing that. And this is part of Chase Value, Not Money. Mm. Um, yeah, Chase Value, Not Money is if you do something you love, like, it's never work. And if you do something that you love and you continue to engage with it and with community and you – express value with the very nature of the law of reciprocity where the value is going to be returned to you and whether it's financial or health or fam or familial or whatever it might be there's going to be a balance there and that balance as uh like Sadhguru, i presume you've heard of Sadhguru. Yeah, Sadhguru. Yeah, follow him yep it's a champion what he would um what he says is don't don't chase like good or bad aim for pleasantness pleasantness is neither good nor bad and that's the that's being balanced and that's something that I've learned and now through like giving and experiencing gratitude and thankfulness mm. I I I no longer have these sort of like ego desires or identity to have certain material things to be me there's still stuff that I want that's yeah. human nature is to want things yeah of course but in terms of like being happy who you are today and where you are and this is again ignoring higher purpose goals targets etc cetera, etc cetera, but just in that kind of balanced moment yeah, pleasantness, gratitude, that's a whole and complete state. Nice, love it. I've got a, a question to try and I get, look, I've learned a lot from just sitting here in the space of, you know, we've about come for an hour now, but so the the, the book and people mm-hmm. coaching and stuff like that, who is your typical target audience? If there's people out there listening to this mm-hmm. now um, and they want to, you know, who, who, well, who are you aiming for? What are, we, what are you going for? What, what the feedback I've got um, so far, like you as a, as a person, as a category, as a stereotype, let's say, of uh, being higher educated, yeah, independent okay. thinking, seeks out information, like that's my target audience. Yeah. But anyone that resonates with my message, anyone that wants to learn, anyone with a natural inquisitiveness and especially able to do action or massive action, like take risk, work hard. Not This isn't hardcore work hard. I just mean will you read everything in one night and then have a crack at mm. writing out a dot point strategy? If, if you are like that, then my system and my style is going to work for you. Yeah. But ultimately, when it comes to impacting lives, like I just want to reach an audience. But definitely, I would say that the higher level thinkers, yeah, okay. I'd, I'd say the majority of people that are really going to get the best out of my message, they, they've probably read 50 to 100 books yeah. on, on miscellaneous topics because that's that's then the collection of, of knowledge, which are all tools that you're then stuck with sort of all these tools and ideas that you're seeking to apply that my system then really helps like refine the message and the strategy yeah right so two questions that i ask every individual um when they come on this podcast number one is what do you believe you need to be doing to take your performance to the next levels oh what an awesome question well i'm i'm doing that so hardcore (laughs) not so hardcore actually very balanced so i'm applying my system i've uh for like first time ever actually meal prepped and pretty well sticking to the meal prep. I'm 
in a coaching program myself, which is it's mind and body. It's a yeah, it's a it's a collection of things. It's not just nutrition. It's about adapting your lifestyle. I I go to West Coast Barbell Club. You should actually get Ben on here. He's a genius, just yeah, like yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you. So how? Yeah, you trust me. You guys would. He talks about escaping Bath in the UK. Yeah, okay. Coming here. Yeah. Similar story. Similar uh, theme. If we connect me, mate, I'll be really keen to have a chat. Hundred percent. It would be great on here. So I joined the West Coast Barbell Club power powerlifting. Reason I did that is because it's structured classes. So I can turn up. I don't like going to the gym on my own. Other people are using equipment. Uh, just, it just doesn't work. Uh, so I go there at structured classes, and because there's other people, my competitive nature comes out. So then I push myself yeah, harder. Yeah, yeah. And powerlifting gyms are competitive as well. There's a competitive individual gym. Yeah. There. A lot of testosterone. Fortunately, <laughs> this is actually pretty. It's pretty chilled, like yeah, people okay. and whatnot. Yeah. It's pretty cool, which I also I like. It's yeah. a good environment. Food. Uh, I've systemized. I, I systemize everything now. Like it's nuts. Systemizing everything from food. Um, working, going to the gym, like where I park, the time I shower, like ev everything. So I'm in that process of growth and learning that there is really nothing else I could do other than improve my sleeping pattern okay. in terms of a performance because I'm currently figuring out what is my high performance and how I do it. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I find that people who are you know, industrious and, uh, industrious and uh, highly conscientious are often people who struggle with their sleep. Mm, and, interesting. Uh, and that's it's because... Because you systematize everything so much, it's almost like you know what's next. <laughs> so whether being able to let go before you go to sleep is, is difficulty, would you say that is an uh, issue with yourself? No, because I'm so deep in my stoicism, yeah, okay. more farty, like um, I, it really doesn't matter what happens. I'm, I'm pretty pretty chilled. I don't yeah, really okay. change. It yeah. is, what, is what it is, yeah, yeah. As, uh, as one would say. And yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm an avid meditator, so yeah, yeah, again, of course. I, can, I can lock off. But I... Like I'm, I'm reading is that the, the Ra Contact at the moment and all the Bhagavad Gita or the Emerald Tablets of Toth, which mm -hmm. I just listened to them. And they're read in a very meditative or psychedelic way. Okay. So that, that in its own right. See, I even efficiently made my ability <laughs> to go to sleep to involve education. <laughs> Do you find yourself having crazy dreams? <laughs> um, no, actually, I mean, I've been having more dreams the more I've been going down this path but mm. not, not too crazy yeah, okay. which i'm happy about yeah good all right final question mm -hmm. um if you were to change one thing that would have a you know, the most significant impact on the world's health mm -hmm. what would that be on the world's health yeah i have i have several thoughts about this let me just collect it into a finite message A somewhere between uh, removing religion as it is it doesn't mean removing spirituality. It doesn't mean removing God. It means removing the factions and the dogmatic nature of religion, mm. um, or probably a preferably. Well, there's it's a three part, but it's the same thing. Just it'll help be easier for people to understand. Uh, people people living their truth because I believe that like bipolarity, autism, a lot of these these traits or human conditions are, are the product of a lack of truth or, you know, seeing where we fit in a tribe and then you have an exacerbation of mm -hmm. minor conditions that then gives rise to um, a negative human experience or outcome. Or at the end of the day, probably a, an, an increase in the nature of inquisitiveness amongst all people because if all people were more inquisitive, they wouldn't mm. immediately believe the dogmas they're born into. And through the nature of inquiry and you know, slow progressive learning, progressive learning, actually learning, not yeah. staying the same. Yeah. So inquisitiveness and progressive learning 
everybody would slowly amass more information and sort of this is a lot of what, what I want to teach is critical and objective analysis so that you can have an understanding of what's actually going on around you rather than being uh, controlled by the information around you. Yeah. So, so rather than reading the book and just believing the book straight out, it's like read the book, take it on, question actually, everything, question it yourself. Yes. Okay. What can you take from this? That is going to you know, serve to you to make you mm. a better individual to do what you want to do. But then what are you going to be able to see in, in other individuals and go, hold on, you're just going from that dogma or you're just going from, coming yeah. from that position. It's- Which again, people are aligning with, with dogmas or religions or beliefs because it gives them a framework in which mm. it gives them a rule system. Because mm. the thing is we are, it's a too deep a conversation, <laughs> but we are only the adult versions of our children, or sorry, of the children that we once were. Yeah. We're not, we're, we are what kids are, what kids would say, sorry, grown-ups. That's all we are. We're not adults. Yeah. We're still five-year-old Dave and Marty that are pissed off from when our toys got taken. <laughs> all right. So, if if the we had a greater alignment between these, uh, you know, the child that needs to be healed, or the insecurity, or the misalignment and belief belief and value, there would fundamentally be a greater congruence and coalescence amongst the uh, the peoples of the earth. Awesome, I love that. There's, those both of those answers were very different. I said you're an alien. You said you're an alien. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely an alien. Well, as an alien, that's my uh, uh, view on, on the conduct of your earth as it is today. <laughs> uh, it's been awesome to, uh, to to have a chat, David. It's been it's been a pleasure. Um, how can people reach out to you, grab you? Uh, there is the Facebook group at the moment, which is the Massive Action Community by David Clark Dash Community. <laughs> Sorry, the Massive Action System by David Clark Dash Community. You can find it or. Just look me up on Facebook, David Clark. Brilliant. Thanks for coming on, mate. Cheers.